Hebrews uh, 12, and I've got a message title for you. It's really simple. It's this. Go fast, win races. Go fast, win races. Hebrews chapter 12. And I only have one really simple thought. Usually uh, when I teach, I've got like my message title. I've got like three or four points, and I've got something, you know, that I'm breaking down. I've got one thought for us tonight. It's really simple. You were called to go the distance and make a difference. You were called by God to go the distance and make a difference. And we'll kind of break down what that looks like and what that means. But that's kind of all we're going. I'm just basically going to say that over and over again until the night's done. Okay? So you are called by God to go the distance and make a difference. Hebrews chapter 12 in verse 1, uh, the, the text reads this way. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Time out because that is very confusing language. We are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. You're like, what in the world does that mean? Are you talking about the fog machine? We're not talking about the fog machine. Um, this idea in Hebrews chapter 11, uh, the chapter right before this, is a chapter all about the great men and women of faith in the Bible. So if, you, if you're like, I don't know if I have time to read all of the Old Testament, um, I totally hear that. Read Hebrews chapter 11. You basically get like a crash course on the entire Bible in less than 50 verses. It's amazing. And uh, in that chapter, it breaks down all of these people of faith. Now, we call this chapter, sort of like theologians and people in like church world, call this chapter the Hall of Faith. The Hall of Faith. Now, the reason they call that, it's because it's a list of all these people that had great faith. But it's kind of deceiving calling it the Hall of Faith because when we think of like a Hall of Fame, um, we think of people that achieved great things, right? Like the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is filled with people that like slayed the guitar and wrote amazing songs. And like the NBA Hall of Fame or the NFL Hall of Fame, it's all these amazing athletes that did incredible things. Now the Hall of Faith is a little different because it's not about great men and women. It's about really ordinary men and women that had great faith in a great God. And, and so what's spectacular about it, it wasn't like these people did all of these heroic things and they were perfect all the time. They actually, a lot of them, when you look at their story, kind of did a lot of stupid stuff. Like most of them, you talk about Abraham, you talk about Noah, you talk about David, you talk about Daniel, you talk about all of these people. You can find like, well, they messed up here. And, like, that guy killed a dude one time, and that guy did this. And, and you're like, these guys are not great people. They were ordinary people that had faith in a great God, and God did amazing things. And so what the author says now in chapter 12, he says, because of all of these people that have gone before us, he says that we are surrounded by all these men and women that have gone on this journey, that have walked with God, that have experienced God work in their life, that have had faith for miracles, faith for God doing supernatural things in their life and through their life. He says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, he says this, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand 
of the throne of God. Let's pray, and then we're going to break this down. Father, we, again, we thank you so much for this time that we could be here. And, Lord, we ask that you would be in this place. And, Lord, anything that's going on in our heart that might distract us or cause us to doubt or have uh, uh, just suspicions, Lord, we pray that you would break those things down. Show yourself to us in this space. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Now, the author is talking about running a race, right? And he tells us to basically take off anything that would slow us down. I mentioned Hannah and I, uh, we went to the youth conference in Northern California, and then we spent a couple days in San Francisco. And uh, while we were in San Francisco, this was just basically vacation. We uh, ate uh, good food, drank coffee, and walked a lot. Like, we literally averaged about 10 miles a day walking. And it's not just, like, Florida where everything's flat. It's super hilly. Like, I, I swear we were, like, climbing mountains every single day. And then the stupid phone would say, like, you only climbed, like, seven st- sets of flights of stairs today. And we're like, come on. No. It's been way more than that. Anyways, while, while we were there, we uh, walked to the Golden Gate Bridge. That's another story for another time about how we got to the Golden Gate Bridge. Anyways, so we got to the Golden Gate Bridge, and Hannah wanted to walk across it. Now, I didn't know this, but it's about two miles, just one way. It's about uh, 1.8 miles, just one direction. And let me tell you, it was a hike, and we walked like 100 miles just to get there. And so we're like, okay, we walked all this way, and now let's go for our walk. And so we're walking across uh, the Golden Gate Bridge. And I promise you, like, by the time we got back, it was like two miles there, two miles back, I was dying. Now, no, I'm, I'm not kidding. We got off. We finally are done. Like, I head straight to the water fountain. I'm, like, <laughs> wanting to pass out. And I watched this mom, no joke, a mom, strap on her back a toddler that had to have been, like, three or four, strap this child on her back, and then stick another kid in a uh, car seat and proceed to walk across the bridge. And I'm like, I'm like taking my phone out of my pocket because it's too heavy. <laughs> and, and this lady is literally like strapping herself up with children to walk across the Golden Gate Bridge. I'm like, what is happening? Now, let me tell you, I don't need any excess weight slowing me down. I just need like... Like comfortable clothes, some lightweight shoes and pants, and like, let's do this thing. This lady, on the other hand, thought I can conquer the world. Mom's strength, it's real. Like, moms have supernatural, God given strength. Like, I've watched moms like grab kids by the leg and like just lift them up, like, (laughs) like, oh my gosh, mom's strength. Anyways, it was, in my opinion, it was unnecessary weight. She, we, were, we were on a mission to walk there and back across the Golden Gate Bridge, and I didn't need anything slowing me down. Now, that is what the author is talking about in Hebrews chapter 12. He says, you are called by God to go the distance and make a difference. He says, you are called by God. You have a race to run. He says, because all of these people who have gone before you, that have run a race of faith, they have walked with God, they faced opposition and they've overcome, they faced persecution and they stayed faithful, they experienced doubt and hurt and heartbreak and confusion and walking into the unknown. And through all of that, they trusted God and they kept moving forward. And he says, therefore... Because these all, all of these other people have done it, he's saying, you can do it too. That God wants you 
to walk with him and to stay walking with him. God has called you to go the distance. What I mean by that is God has called you to walk with him to the end. We say this all the time here in the factory, but God has not called you to walk with him but for, for a little bit of time, but for a lifetime. It's not just doing it when it's convenient and doing something that, like, it's fun on Thursday nights because right now I've got nothing else to do. But once my calendar sort of has more options and more opportunities, you're going to bet I'm not going to be here anymore. No, God is not calling us to just do it when it's convenient. God calls us to walk with him and go the distance. We're at the end of our life. We're still walking with Jesus. It's not just something we looked back to and, oh, yeah, I remember when, but something that we're committed to until the end. God has called you to go the distance and listen, this is so important that you understand this, especially young people, you are called to make a difference. You are called to make a difference. And I'm sick and tired of young people thinking that they have to wait till they're older to do something with their life or they have to wait till they have everything together or they have to wait till they overcome this obstacle or overcome this sin or they get out of this situation or I need more experience or I need a college education or I need X amount of years of, of working experience or whatever it is. Let me tell you right now, God has a plan for your life and God wants you to make a difference now. You don't have to wait. God wants you to go the distance, walk with him until the end, and God wants you to make a difference. You have a call from God to go far. And listen, there is a very real enemy that wants to keep you from ever experiencing your destiny. There is, there is not only... We talk about him, this idea of, of Satan or the devil, and he is real, and he doesn't like you, and he doesn't want you to walk with God, and he doesn't want you to fulfill your God-given potential and purpose. But also, there are other things in the world that can keep you from your God-given potential and calling. And listen, the enemy, he can, he can read your story, but he can't write your story. The enemy, can, the enemy knows your story, and in one sense, he knows the, the difference you're going to make. He knows your story, but he can't write your story. He can't make you do anything or not do anything. But what he can do and what he uses is the world and the flesh or the things around us and the things inside of us to slow us down from ever experiencing our destiny. He can't write your story, but he can reroute your story. He can cause you to get sidetracked in other things. And he can cause you to get caught up with things that really don't matter when it comes to life and eternity and, and the promises of God and the plans of God. And so what he will often do is try to slow you down. Try to slow you down. And so the author tells us in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, what we need to do so that we can go fast and win races. He tells us this is what you need to do so that you don't get caught up in, in a moment or get caught up in something less than what God has for you. He tells us two things. He says you need to cast off the weight that's on you. He says you need to cast off the weight that's on you. Now, let me be very clear. He, he specifies, he says, you need to ca cast off the weight and sin. And because he specifies both weight and sin, we can assume that this idea of weight is not sin. Right? Because if he would have said, 
just sin, we would assume you need to get rid of sin in your life. But he says wait and sin. Now, the idea of wait is not just things that are, are harmful or sinful, but things that just, quite frankly, aren't that important. Things that come into our life and slow us down from going the direction that God wants us to go. Now, can I, for a moment, just because I really care about you guys, can I be very specific on things that tend to slow us down? Like, probably too specific, where you're like, why are you talking about this? But I'm going to be really specific. Um, I think things that slow us down, and again, I'm, saying, I'm not saying that they're sinful things. The Bible doesn't make these things clear. I'm saying they're, they're slowful things. I know that's not a word. Forgive me. Um, but they're things that slow us down. One thing, like to be perfectly honest, is like the music we listen to. Like the music we listen to has the ability to slow us down. What do I mean by that? Well, you guys know the songs that like make you depressed, right? You're like, oh, I'm so sad so emotional right now <laughs> and you're like listening to the most heartbreaking music you're like or you're like i'm just so angry and agitated and like you put it on your ipod it's like <laughs> does anybody actually listen to music like that anymore i don't know <laughs> whatever <laughs> but you're like you're agitated all the time and it's because you're listening to angry music so let me tell you that the music you listen to can slow you down let me tell you the people you hang out with it can slow you down. It can slow you down. Now, I'm not saying don't have friends. But I'm saying, like, choose your friends carefully. Like, because the goal is to go fast and win races. <laughs> and so if the people around you are, are slowing you down, you need, to, you need to make sure the movies you watch. I'm going to be too specific, but this is a real problem in our culture today. Can I, I'm, again, it's not sin, but it's, it's slowing you down. Can I speak over your life and say, please stop vaping? Now, now, hold, <laughs> now I, was, I was thinking I was thinking I was going to give you guys, like, statistics about this. And listen, again, listen, I'm, I'm not, we're not casting judgment. I'm not saying, like, if you do that, you're a horrible person and anything like that. That's not what I'm saying at all, so please don't misunderstand my heart. I'm saying you're called by God to go fast and win races, and if you can't breathe, you probably can't go fast and win races. <laughs> so instead of me, instead of, hold on, hold on, hold on. Instead of me trying to give you stat, stats, I asked my friend Luke to come. Luke, you can come up here. And uh, he, uh, how should I introduce you? Because you're not a doctor yet. You're on your way. He helps lungs, so he knows what he's talking about. Um, What's up, guys? What's up? So this is Luke, and uh, he's going to give us a little bit of uh, just some understanding about the things we put into our body. All right, up, attention up here. It's pretty light. All right, guys. So show of hands, if you know someone that vapes or smokes, raise your hand. It should be everyone. You go to the movies, you go to the mall, you go to school, you see the giant puffs of cloud just permeating and it smells like cotton candy or mangoes. It's just, it's not, it's annoying. Now, how many of you guys have seen a pack of cigarettes? Right, you see, again, one of those things you kind of see everywhere. What do you guys see on a pack of cigarettes? What's like a big thing you notice? There's one thing I'm thinking of. Yeah. 
there's warnings. There's usually like a skull and crossbones on it. And it says, this product will kill you. It's not like messing around, like it will kill you. Smoking will kill you. Now the thing about vaping is it's kind of a recent thing and there's a lot of different names with it. There's jewels, there's vaping, e-cigs, there's a bunch of different stuff for it. Unfortunately, we recently, like people stopped smoking cigarettes as much as they used to. Like in the past decade even, since like 2000, it's dropped a lot because the farther we go, the more you know, scientists look into stuff, the more they've gone strict with making sure people know, like smoking a cigarette will kill you. It's, like, it's not just like something that makes you look cool, it's not something that's harmless, like it will kill you. And then, the big tobacco companies, they said, shoot, like we're not able to sell stuff anymore. People are getting smart, they're looking around, they're not you know, smoking this stuff anymore. So they came up with this thing called vaping or e-cigs. And at first, it was the alternative to smokers. It was, hey, if you do this, it's just like this electronic cigarette. There's no nicotine in it, which is that addictive substance, and it's going to help you. Like, it just kind of gives you that reflex. So they started doing that, and then they kept going with it. They said, you know what? Let's make it, like, fun. Let's make it, like, mango-flavored or pineapple or cotton candy. And honestly, the goal behind that was they get all these people in these meetings and they go, how can we market this to the younger generation? Because all the people that smoke cigarettes, just to be honest with you, most of them are not doing too well today. So, <laughs> they're not doing good. They're, a lot of them are dead, honestly. So I, I work in a hospital up in uh, Melbourne and I specifically work with people with lung sickness. And all of these guys, nine times out of 10, you know, they've been smoking since they were like six and they're working in the factories and like all this other stuff. And these people live like hard lives. Um, sometimes it may take 20, 30 years of smoking. It really depends on how much you do, but it's bad. So what I'm gonna do right now, if Nate can help me, perfect. I'm gonna kind of give you guys a visual representation of kind of like what happens when you smoke. And again, this has to do with, this, this isn't just cigarettes. If you breathe anything in that's not oxygen, the air that we breathe, it's bad for you. Now, it may not be as bad as cigarettes, but it's not good for you. So if you guys are squeamish, I don't know if you want to look away. I've shown this to elementary school kids and they seem to think it's pretty cool. But I have some lungs here. They are real. So, you guys look at this lung, right? Like, do you think this is a healthy lung or a sick lung? It's healthy, right? It's pink. It just looks good. Now I got this other one. Yeah, so. So, they are real. These are real people's lungs. Now these people are dead. Even the healthy one, they're dead. Yeah, just that's what saying. So, I could sit up here and I could tell you guys numbers, right? I could say, currently in 2019, they estimated that 5.8 million teenagers vape, not smoke, like cigarettes, like specifically vape. 
That number doesn't include people who smoke cigarettes. There's a lot going on now, and there's a lot of marketing aimed at you guys to vape. And again, they're trying to make it like enticing. They're trying to make it cool. Who here's seen a Juul specifically? Okay, those things look like little, like they're sleek. It's like a USB. You hold it in your hand, it's cool, right? Like it's, oh, it's all sleek. And they're trying to do this stuff. They're trying to market it towards you guys because they know that cigarettes don't really sell as good anymore. So they're trying to do something else. And as you guys can see here, th this is what happens. Now, I have a really specific story. Um, we had in, it was December of last year, I had an 18-year-old young man who came to the hospital and he had been vaping for, I think it was like nine months, like maybe a year. And he started getting a really bad cough. And so he came to the hospital and you know he was sick and we're like, uh, let's try to figure out what's wrong with him. So they find out that this guy's lungs, this 18-year-old, this his lungs looked like the lungs of a person who'd been smoking for 50 or 60 years. So his lungs looked like this, okay? Now this is really specific. If you, if you guys vape, again, this isn't judgment. It's not like you're a bad person. It's totally, it's just whatever. It's something that you do. This isn't necessarily, if you've been vaping, gonna happen to you automatically. This was a pretty specific situation, but the thing about vaping is it's not regulated. Like, I don't know where, if you guys vape, where you get your stuff, but a lot of it's, it's kind of sketchy. Like, yeah, you can go to the gas station, but you know, maybe you're like hanging out with your friends and they hand you their vape pen, and you're like, oh, sure, I'll do it. But where did he get it from? Did he get it from like his brother's friend who you know, poured some water in a container and said, yeah, this is vape juice, do it. Like, it's, there's very little regulation on it. So anyways, this kid, again, he ended up needing a double lung transplant. So this kid, this 18-year-old, I mean, when, we, when I'd see him, when we'd go in there, Half the time, I mean, the, guy, the kid was in tears because he's going, I only did this for like, it's not even like I'm, you know, like I said, all the people I deal with are usually 60, 70, 80. You know, they've been doing it for 40, 50 years. It's kind of expected. But this kid was just like, what did I do to deserve this? And it was so sad. And last time I checked, he actually, he got the lung transplant. And I don't know too much about it, but I was talking to a colleague of mine because um, they had to fly him up to northern Florida, like he did give the lung transplant, he's doing better now, but I mean, that's insane. Like it, it's, it, it's just something like where when you put bad stuff, and this applies to anything, when you put bad stuff in your body, there are effects. And for some people, those effects take a long time to show up. So you may be doing something and you don't really see any repercussion for five, 10, 15, 20 years. Whereas someone else could be doing the same thing and something affects, you know, a month, two months, six months, or eight months like this kid. And it's kind of like with sin, God's going to shine light on what you guys are doing. And again, vaping is not sin. Nowhere in the Bible does it say, thou shalt not vape. <laughs> it does say your body is a temple and we shouldn't put bad things in it. But vaping itself, it's just another thing we do. And like Nate said, it's something that weighs us down. And it's something that is going to make us running that race harder. And like we sang earlier, it's, it's your breath in our lungs. You get sick enough like this, you can't talk. Um, one of the common things, they call it one-word sentences, where you literally get so short of breath, you have to take a breath, 
between every sentence. And that happens when the stuff like this happens. And so I know Nate and Hannah and all the other leaders here are concerned about you guys and they love you guys. And I don't know you guys and you don't know me, but I love you guys. I don't want this to happen to you. And so it's just really important sometimes that you guys really realize like the dangers of some of the stuff and what you put into your body. So good. Can we thank Luke? <laughs> and I'm going to ask him that we put it away. <laughs> because <laughs> it is very vivid. Can we thank him so much for doing this? Amazing. I'm going to have nightmares tonight, not going to lie. But listen, hey, I'm going to close in just a moment. But like Luke said and like I said, listen to me. But like, like he said, this, we're not, I'm, not talking about, I'm not talking about God, like Luke said, thou shalt not. I'm not talking about sin. I'm not talking about God judging you and hates you and is mad at you. Neither are we. And God's not mad at your friends. Many of you, you don't vape, but you have friends that do. We're not saying that we need to not be the police and tell people what to do and what not to do. I'm talking about you got a call on your life from God to go fast and win races. You've got a call from God to go the distance and make a difference. And if there are things that slow us down, and this one quite literally, yeah. right? Like, I mean, you saw the, the black lung, which is literally like barely getting the breath. And you can't go as far. You can't go as fast. So there is weight. There are things in our life that aren't sinful things that slow us down. And you, we need to evaluate our life and say, are these things, are these things something like the lady walking across the San Francisco Golden Gate Bridge with a baby on her back pushing a stroller? And you've slowed yourself down to not be able to make the difference and go the distance like God has called you to go. Now, he also says, he says the weight, but he also says sin, Right? He also says sin. And I wanted to make this abundantly clear. I didn't put this part of the message in the sin part because that's not the point of that part. We're not talking about sin. I heard somebody ask a question, if you smoke, will you go to heaven? And one person said, yeah, you'll just probably get there faster. Like, it's fine. It's fine if you do that. You'll go to heaven. We're not talking about that. But there's things, there's also things that we can add to our life that can cause us to miss out. Now, the word weight, that, that idea, it means to slow us down. It's something that we put on ourselves. The word sin, it's an interesting word that the author uses in that text in Hebrews 12. It's literally, I've said this before, but it's an archery word, and it means to miss the mark. It means you have a bullseye and you miss the mark. And so the idea of sin, remember, the whole picture is a, a race. I've only got one point. It's you, you're called to go the distance and make a difference. It's really simple. You're going a direction as you run this race. And the idea of sin is something that takes you off course. Weight slows you down. You can still go the direction. You're still moving on your race. You're, still, you're, just, you're getting lapped by people. You're, you're slower, but you're, you're still on course. Sin, on the other hand, is stuff that takes us off course. Where the, the finish line is over there, and we're like the classic story of the tortoise and the hare, and we're taking a nap over here. And the tortoise is slow. Maybe he vaped. I don't know. But he is slow, but he is going the direction. 
He's going the direction, whereas the other one is off course. Weight slows us down. Sin takes us off course. So what's the solution? Worship team, you guys can come up here. I'm done. You guys ready for this to be done? You're like, please let this be done. Um, So what's the solution? He tells us. He says, therefore, we, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, taking off every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us. Ready? Listen, up here. Up here. He says, fix your eyes on Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. And it says, and for the joy that was set before him... He endured the cross, despised the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the Father. What he's saying is that Jesus ran the race before us. Jesus is at the finish line, and he's sitting there waiting for you. And he is encouraging you and spurring you on and and, and hoping and praying that you will make it to the end. And not just make it to the end as you cross the line and say, I barely made it because I was caught up with all this weight and all this stuff that doesn't matter. But that we would get to the end knowing that we have ran our race with purpose that we've ran our race making a difference that we didn't waste our time we didn't waste our life we didn't just get through the race but we did it in such a way that God got glory and people saw Jesus that's what we're called to do and he says what's the solution he says fix your eyes on Jesus the idea is is pretty simple and I love the language of the race the idea is if you're going that way, don't be looking that way. <laughs> if you're running that direction, don't get caught looking behind you. Don't get caught looking to either side of you. He says, fix your eyes on Jesus. And then here's the coolest part. I love this story, or I love this, this, this moment. He says, Fix your eyes on Jesus. And then he flips it. He now talks about what Jesus has done. And it says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despised the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the Father. And if you guys have been around church, you know this. But if you, if you haven't, you don't know this. The joy that was set before him was you. The joy that was set before him was me. Do you know why Jesus came some 2,000 years ago, died on a cross for sins, and rose again three days later, and is now ascended, seated at the right hand of the Father? Do you know why? It's because he loved me. It's because he loves you, and he wanted to have a relationship with you. And so when he went to the cross, and he knew the pain that was coming, and he knew the shame that was coming, and he knew the disappointment and the separation that was going to happen as a result of the cross, and when everything inside of him told him to run, When everything inside him told him to give up and do it another way. When everything inside of him said, I don't want to do this. God, would you take this cup from me if there's any other way? Like he prayed that in the garden before he went to the cross. When everything inside of him told him to run, he looked to the joy that was set before him. What was that joy? That was you. That was me. He was saying, I am willing to go to the cross. I am willing to see it through the end. Why? Because I love people so much that I want to see them have relationship with me. And I'm not going to quit now. I've got a race to run. I got to go fast, and I got to win some races. You can clap for that. Come on. 
And so this is the picture that he gives us. Ready? We've got our eyes locked on Jesus. And where are his eyes? Locked on you. Come on. Hey, Jesus isn't up there like, golly, are they ever going to finish this race? They're so slow. And they're all caught up in weights. And they're all caught up in sins. And they're all caught up in doing stupid stuff. And they're all just failing me all the time. And I'm so disappointed in them. And I'm so mad at them. And I wish they would get their life together. No. He's got his eyes focused on you. Actually, in the same book, in the book of Hebrews, the the scripture says that God, Jesus, ever lives to make intercession for you. That word intercession means prayer. In other words, God right now is praying for you. What's he praying? He's praying that you would go the distance and that you would make a difference. He's praying that you would walk with him till the end and that you would make a difference in your life here and now. God has a calling on your heart. God has a calling on your life. And we don't want to give up or give in to less than what God has for us.